What is that? <laughs> Have you seen that that the deal with it meme, where like uh -uh. the glasses float down? Uh uh. That's what these are. <laughs> I can't see anything, so I'm not gonna wear them for the whole thing. But I wanted to have them on just to start because I thought it'd be funny. All right, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> I can't even do it without laughing. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. I've got coffee today. Sorry, guys. Hey, coffee, tea, wine, whatever. <laughs> as long as you're drinking something. Right. Deal with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh I love those. I those know, I do too. Hilarious. I got him at, hey, Steve is here. I got him at uh, at Wizard World. I was at Wizard World this past weekend in Madison. And uh, the folks in the booth next to us had these. And it was like, oh, these would be amazing for a photo shoot. I've got to buy one. So I bought a <laughs> pair. And I'm so happy I bought, I got these. They're awesome. <laughs> I know, right? Thanks you. <laughs> I was like, oh, it would be so cool if I could get like a prescription pair of these. <laughs> Or get LASIK. I uh, I went in for a consult last Wednesday when oh, yeah? you weren't on, um, and I have it scheduled for the 9th of January. Yeah. They were like, oh, well, we can do it sooner, but with it being, like, busy season and traveling mm -hmm. and holidays and all that. And you have to go, like, a couple of weeks with just glasses, and my prescription's, okay. like seven years old um and i was like i don't know if i want to go like a whole month without glasses while I, or with glasses while i'm working mm -hmm. um anyways long story short i'm getting lasik and i'm super excited they like gave me this chart that shows you how much money you'll save based on <laughs> this pissed me off on uh -huh. an average lifespan of 77 years and i was like <laughs> i'm not planning like is that seriously a thing in our yeah. country? Like the average lifespan is 77 years. So pretty much you retire. And then what retirement is like 65, 67, right? right? Right. And then you've got another like maybe 10 12, years. And 10, then, 12 years. Well, and that's the average. So people die before that too. Often. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I so mean, it's kind of scary. Right. And we need to take better care of ourselves well, like, I mean, as, as a society. To be perfectly honest, that's the thing that keeps me motivated to work out because I don't like working out. Right. You know? Who does? I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I don't want to die. So I'm like, right. I should do this. The The right. thing, the problem, though, is that as much as it motivates me to work out, I cannot seem to find that same motivation to not eat all of the garbage food that I love to eat. <laughs> Well, you win some, you lose some. Right, right, exactly. Um, but the other thing that, like, the chart showed was, like, okay, so based on 77 years of life, mm -hmm. um, depending on what, like, you when you get your LASIK done, it showed how much money you could save. And so if you got it done in your 20s, it was, mm -hmm. like, almost $50,000 over your 77-year lifespan. Okay. Um, and then if you do it in your 30s, it's, like, 30 something thousand dollars and then like in your 40s it was i think the 40s and 30s were similar mm -hmm. and then 50s it started going it's down because like i mean even my you know They're my like, doctor you're, told you're, me like you're gonna need readers like right. that's an age thing like whatever yeah anyway. i need i uh, probably should have readers but 
I just take my regular glasses off right now and read without them. Yeah. 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 That's I, what, you know, it now, is what it is. Yeah. And now when I'm <laughs> shooting, it's like, you know, I can, I like the viewfinder is fine, but if I'm reviewing a shot on the back of the camera, I've got to flip my glasses up in order to, oh. yeah. So I've reached that stage. <laughs> I, uh, so what made me decide to like, cause my doctor has been on my butt about it for years, but yeah. I started doing this with my phone where I have to like, Oh, right. Yeah. Get it and out to yeah, yeah. see like, what's going like, on. What's, Oh, I gotta send yeah. a text message. <laughs> Um, I'm, so I'm I like, have I'm to. Done. I have to flip my glasses up to hold my phone at a normal distance as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I ended up so I I was doing that and then I ended up so before I went in for the consult with like the actual surgeon, um, I had to wear my glasses for like three or four days to like let the I have a really bad astigmatism and so they wanted my cornea okay. to like be back to where it normally would be without contacts. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to do a shoot that Monday with glasses. And oh. it was thing. I've never shot with glasses ever. Okay. Um, so like my entire career, I've always had bad vision, but I've always had contact. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I had to like figure Deal out. Like, <laughs> like, this is weird. like, how do I do this with glasses? <laughs> I kept like trying to like take my glasses off, but I'm blind. Like I right. can't see anything. Yeah. Anyway, so. So I'm excited. Yeah. I, I've thought about LASIK before, but honestly, it scares the shit out of me because I've heard, you know, I've heard people who've gotten LASIK and it and it fucks their vision up instead of improving it. And I'm sure it's better now, but at the same time, right. it's like, you know, this is something that can't be undone and it just it just terrifies me to... So that's what they told me is they it can. Because that was my concern. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, like Donald has had it and it was great. Like he literally could see that same day. Um mm -hmm. It's like a two-minute surgery, literally. Like it's <laughs> 10, 10 seconds per eye to like cut the cornea, and then it's another 30 to 40 seconds depending on how bad your astigmatism is and how bad your vision is. Mm -hmm. So it's literally less than five minutes for the whole thing. That's crazy. Um, but they said, you know, sometimes it gets overcorrected and sometimes it'll get undercorrected, um, but they can go in and fix it. Yeah. So they always aim to undercorrect it if possible because it's obviously easier to fix that but she was yeah because i was like well i literally like depend on my eyeball exactly right my living <laughs> like this so, like, is, this is no joke <laughs> um and so yeah i mean she was like it's it's honestly they do and like the over or under correctness she goes mm -hmm. it's like one percent between the three different surgeries that they do because there's like lasik pk whatever and mm -hmm. smile are the three different kinds that they can do now and it's one percent like less than one percent for and them to like have good. to go in and correct mm -hmm. so i'm gonna go ahead and trust them and because i'm so sick of glasses and i'm so sick of like not being able to see yeah like i'm blind if i don't have contact then <laughs> I'm okay yeah. with without my glasses, but um, obviously I'm not like super functional, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, like I wouldn't be able to see the screen if I didn't have contacts in right now. Okay, <laughs> like that's how bad it is, uh, and apparently it can get worse. Yeah, well, we mine is like negative five and a quarter in one, and like negative four and whatever in the other. Okay, but apparently you can go up to negative twelve in the. Damn. That's intense. I was like, so what does the vision of those people look like? like? She was like, oh, you're so average. Like, your vision's actually average. And I was like, 
You mean it can be worse? <laughs> it can be worse. Uh, so hello, we got Steve here. Mike has joined us. And I'm not sure if anybody else is hanging out in the chat or not. But hello and welcome, everybody. Yeah, I heard Mike uh, did a newborn shoot. Or was hmm. editing newborn pictures. Awesome. How'd that go, Mike? <laughs> He says a local newscaster had it and it went bad and later she committed suicide. Oh, Jesus. Well, that's like worst case scenario. <laughs> Holy shit. That's horrible. That, that's, that's a little that's extreme. Awful. That's awful. Wow. I'm uh, I'm hoping that that will not be the case. Yeah. This guy, so the well, surgeon that my eye doctor works with is mm -hmm. like the best in Colorado. He does, like that's all they do is LASIK, LASIK like their okay. office only does lasik and they do like literally hundreds a month mm -hmm. um i think he was saying that like just this year they've done like 70 something thousand people or something Damn. i don't know it was like stupid about like people will That's come out insane. of state for to get a mm -hmm. lasik done with him yeah um so well mike's just pretty much ensured that i'm never gonna get it done <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, maybe if you're right. in a state like me. Uh, anyways. Guess I'll have to take a trip to Michigan. <laughs> or, I mean, not Michigan, Colorado. Colorado, not yeah. Michigan. You'll, have, you'll have to come to <laughs> Dishler over here. Yeah, so. there we go. And right. honestly, not very expensive either. I was really surprised because mm -hmm. so five years ago is when we did Donald's. And it was... I want to say it was around 4,600 for both eyes. So it was okay. like 2,300 2, per eye. Mm -hmm. um, and I, at the time I was like, oh, well that's kind of expensive. And now it's like, I think 29. So I think it was like 3,000 for both for of both my eyes. eyes. That's yeah. not bad at all, really. Like, okay, that's yeah. not <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's not exactly pocket change, but that's also not right. like, ridiculous either. That's reasonable. Um, but, yeah, anyways, enough about yeah. LASIK. All right. So, yeah, <laughs> now that we know that I'm never getting LASIK and you're getting it soon, <laughs> what are we going to talk about today? <laughs> well, so, um, last time I was going through, like, the marketing strategies, um, and I figured we can kind of continue on that topic because I think where I left off will be great to kind of push people into, okay, what is like the last ditch effort for mm -hmm. 2019? Like what else can you do and what can you do now that's going to help you build into 2020? Because okay. really like even though I feel like it's slightly early to start planning 2020, like I typically start mid-November to late November when I start putting out, you know, mm -hmm. putting out my marketing calendar and things like that. Um, it's never really too early, especially if you're in the beginning stages of sure. your business. Um, so, I mean, unless anyone has any other topics they'd like to talk about, I thought that would be a good, good way to go into today. Well, oh, Mike said, yeah. yeah, I did retouching of the newborn <laughs> and no poop cleanup. No poo. That's a good sign. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Yeah, newborns. They're adorable. Mm -hmm. They're just a lot of work. Yep. Both to of... photograph and to have. And a lot of poop. <laughs> There's so much poop. 
<laughs> so much poop. <laughs> you never realize like how essential poop is until you have a newborn, mm -hmm. and then every conversation turns to poop. So <laughs> like even this conversation just turned to poop. Like, it's like babies and poop. They go hand in hand. Right, poop and then for the rest hand. of your life. <laughs> so glad my child is potty trained now yeah we don't have to deal with it as much that's good but, so yeah. yeah if uh mike steve or anybody else watch it if you guys have a topic throw it at us otherwise zara take it away oh geez <laughs> <laughs> i'm just going back to my slides i literally left them up from last time uh, uh, well, there we I go think where we like left off was we creating like word of mouth buzz um and how do you do that and pretty much the last thing I, I feel like I remember saying was that um, we need to create something inspirational. So something that's going to inspire people to come to you or to like take action. Mm -hmm. So some kind of an inspirational act, that's a call to action. Um, and then utilizing storytelling. So building a why or a purpose as to why people should come to you or like, what is your purpose and why are you doing this? Um, and then the last one was some kind of a human interaction and a sense of community. Um, and the examples of that would be, so, I mean, everyone has heard of or seen those Tom's shoes and it used to be just like those slipper ones. And now they have a bunch of other ones. Well, when Tom's first started out, their campaign was one for one. And literally what it was is if you bought a pair of Tom's, they would donate a pair of Tom's to a child in need of shoes. Um, and everyone bought Tom's, even though they were like the ugliest things, they're comfortable. They're they were the ugliest things. Croc, I mean, yeah. actually, I think Crocs take that title. Crocs are the ugliest thing. <laughs> Tom's come in a close second. Yeezys but... are right around there too. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that it was, <clears throat> they had this great cause that like every time you bought a pair of shoes, it would lead to someone else getting a pair of shoes like i bought a pair and for years i actually wore toms when i was shooting because they were comfortable mm -hmm. if you wear them a ton they start smelling terribly Ew. but apparently like they're canvas so you can like throw them oh, in I the wash mm -hmm. um but i like i have bought them at full price even though i didn't think they were pretty but the thing was like, oh, well, if I'm just going to buy a pair of like slippers or like pair of shoes that I need to just like wear all the time to shoot in, I might as well be contributing to something. Mm -hmm. And so to me, paying $50 for a pair of canvas slippers <laughs> was more justified mm -hmm. because I knew that someone else was getting shoes versus like I, if they didn't do that, there's no way I would pay $50 to buy a pair of tops. Right, right. So uh, that yeah, and it's smart because um, they're they're marking. So they're mark. They're obviously you're marking up the product because that's how you make your profit. Right. So you make your money. Uh, but even with that markup, they can still afford to take that second pair of shoes and right. give it away. And so that story and that act of feel goodness is exactly right. what drew you in. Right. I mean, like, I'm like, well, hell, if I have to, I have to buy something anyways, mm -hmm. might as well be helping someone else out. Yep. Yep. Um, so then a, the, oh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, Steve had a couple of comments um, that I wanted to hit on real quick. Um, just his last effort. So he said, my last effort for online marketing was I signed up on the knot um, slash wedding wire. 
got a 30% discount and already got two inquiries within the first week. He's waiting to hear back from them. Uh, so he says, so far, a better inquiry rate, at least, than mm-hmm. Facebook ads. Um, but he'll see, he says, it'll, you know, we have to see how it goes over the 12-month commitment. And they ha- he has a cons- consult with their tech person for page organization today um, to see what to do for best results on the not slash wedding wire. And he said, that's a free deal. So that sounds pretty good because now you're putting yourself, I mean, obviously, you know, brides are on Facebook as an example, you know. Right. But the not but, wedding and, wire is even better placement because they're yep. they're looking for specifically, yeah, exactly, yep. Um, I would uh, my word of advice on not and wedding wire. I've tried both, um, mm-hmm. and I don't pay for them. And I, now I think they're the same thing. Back in the day, they were two separate things. I don't pay for either one. I believe that I still have because like they're free thing. You can still get reviews, and reviews is what gets people to get you mm-hmm. uh, not in wedding wire are both the same concept as like a Google. Yelp or something oh, it, well Google. combination I would say more closely to Google okay. people who are looking for a wedding photographer a wedding vendor on there they're not gonna go past page two sure and so really the shitty part is is that you do have to pay more to guarantee that you're on the first two pages mm-hmm. um, and that part kind of sucks but making sure that all of your clients are going over there and leaving you reviews because what like a lot of it is like the knot does their annual awards and it's purely based on your reviews on Mm -hmm. their website and so if you get x number i don't remember the number exactly now but x number of reviews within a year and they're all you know four and a half stars or above or four stars and above then you get the best of not which then they will promote you. Like they'll have a little section that says, oh, you know, these are the best of the not vendors. And so then you're more likely to get those inquiries through them. So make sure that like, even though you're paying money, make sure you're keeping up with it and making sure that people are going over there and reviewing you and leaving you good feedback so that you're actually utilizing the service fully. And I'm sure like their, you know, their tech person will be able to, walk you through the details because obviously it's been years since i've used it mm-hmm. um, but you do have the ability to still get like those reviews even if you have the free version so if in 12 months you know after you've done paying for it you decide oh it's not worth renewing it still make sure to keep up the reviews and stuff because those will stay there forever well until you know the knot goes out of business right type whichever, of thing. But yeah. <laughs> whichever comes first <laughs> right <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think out. that's definitely going to be a better marketing tool than Facebook, but you're also going to want to keep up on Facebook. And like the rule of marketing is at least three places, right? So like mm-hmm. three places where people can see you and that'll build your brand up. Um, and so having a not account, having a Facebook account, having a website and maybe doing some like local bridal shows and stuff um, is definitely going to help with that visibility and building that business. Okay. He followed up and said he's also planning to do some boudoir with Melissa um, this week to start that process. And nice. um, she, I'm not sure who she is, maybe the person um, from Wedding Wire said that he should raise his prices because the average there is much higher. I'm assuming maybe Melissa is telling him. I mean, <laughs> that, it might be I, Melissa. <laughs> um, oh, or maybe maybe it is the person from Wedding Wire because yeah. the next comment is, Yeah. She said to get people to review. Okay. Yeah. 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 Reviews. I mean, reviews anywhere, right? Review, like 
that's your word of mouth. Getting those reviews is your word of mouth. Yeah. Um, advertising. Yeah, so. absolutely. But yeah, that's that's a good start. I'm proud of you. I'm I'm glad Steve's taking this, taking the bull by the horns. Yep. Yep. That's the saying, right? Yeah, take the bull by the horns and run with it. Yep. So um the next oh no, not Melissa, the knot. Um, okay. The the next example I had here for the storytelling aspect is Chipotle. So like everyone knows mm -hmm. Chipotle. Everyone loves Chipotle. I'm really proud of them because they're Denver based. Like they the original Chipotle is right off of uh, University and I-25, right next to University of Denver. Anyways, so it's like we knew Chipotle before the world knew Chipotle. <laughs> Anyways. But they, they did this whole campaign, and they're still doing it, um, that's ingredients sourced locally. So their whole thing was that we are going to use local farms, local you know produce, local as much local as we can for every single store. So like all the Colorado stores, all the Colorado locations are using Colorado-based products. All mm -hmm. the Wisconsin ones are going to use Wisconsin-based products. Um, and it was like part of their, you know, we're going to support our community. We're going to build our community and we're creating obviously more businesses. We're giving, we're keeping money within our community. And even when they had like the salmonella scare, even when they had like all these other things going on, they were able to overcome that because they are still supporting their community and their community supports them back. Like we went to Chipotle on, I want to say it was Friday afternoon, maybe it was Saturday, whatever day it was, we went over there and literally the line was like wrapped around the building. Dang. And as we were standing there, and it's funny because there's like four Chipotles within like a two mile <laughs> radius. So I'm not sure why this one was so busy. Mm -hmm. Um, but as we were standing there, I was like, well, you know, it's funny, like all these other, you know, like Starbucks and uh, Friday, like whatever, all these other fast food places, most of them have some kind of like a loyalty program or some kind of like a punch card or whatever. And Chipotle doesn't. And we were talking about it and it was like, okay, like they tried, like there was a very short period where they introduced like, oh, you know, buy four burritos and your fifth one is free or 50% or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, and it went away really fast. Like they introduced it and within like a month and a half, two months, it was gone. But obviously their business is still running. Um, and it was, I think that they realized, I don't know if this is true, but they realized that it doesn't matter. Like people are going to come to Chipotle because of the brand they've built, because of the food they have mm -hmm. and like the cult like following they created versus some kind of an incentive for free food. Like people are going to pay it anyways. Like I remember when I first started going to Chipotle, like a burrito was like $4.50. And now it's like $10. <laughs> well, I think it's like eight fifty or whatever it is. Right. But still, like it has significantly increased in price and no one blinks an eye. Same with Starbucks, right? Like a cup of coffee from Starbucks used to be like two bucks. Mm -hmm. And now a cup of black coffee from Starbucks is like four fifty. Yeah. Um, and no one, you know, people made a comment when Starbucks increased like 25 cents or whatever, but like it hasn't hurt their business. People mm -hmm. didn't stop going there because of it, but it's because of like the stories they've built, the, 
the promise of whatever it is that they're giving you, right? With Chipotle, it's promise of growing our community and keeping business local. With Starbucks, for example, it was that, oh, cozy coffee shop type of feel, like come hang out and do your work here and yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And um, all of that, I mean, all of that, it sounds like goes back to something that you've talked about over and over again, which is the experience. Um, right. You know, the product is clearly a thing that you're selling because the product is what they buy and it's sort of the takeaway. But at the same time, the experience is what makes them buy the product in the first place. Right. Right. And like if you can provide that experience and tie it into some kind of a story that people can relate to, mm -hmm. then you're going to you're going to have people keep coming back to you. Right. Um, and then the last example I had was for building a community. And this one I thought was funny because Coke, like Coca-Cola did like the campaign, the share a Coke with a friend. And how many of you have like looked at the Coke bottles trying to find your name or your friend's name or a family members? Like you can never find Zara on there. So I've given up. Yeah, I, d but, I never look because you'll never find Spiros on there either. Right. <laughs> but what they did for, you know, weirdos like us who don't have a common name is they did like your soulmate mm -hmm. or, you know, your best friend mm -hmm. or your loved one or whatever. Like there's Coke bottles that say that. Um, and so they... They were like, okay, share a Coke with a friend. And so if I found a bottle that said, you know, Daniel on it, my friend Daniel's here in town. Like I would get that to give to him because I'm like, oh, look, your name's on here. Like mm -hmm. I'm sharing a Coke with you. Um, and so creating something like that within your community will really drive business. Because, um, again, it goes back to that, to the experience, right? Right. So like you could do like, uh, you know, Steve said he's starting to do the um, boudoir, starting with Melissa. Um, would it, would like a, a boudoir bring a friend kind of thing work? Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah? So okay. um, I believe it's I want to say Kara Marie was mm -hmm. the one who started that that kind of a referral program system. Um, and she's she's a phenomenal person, a phenomenal boudoir photographer. Um, and her thing is like she has these vouchers that you give to your client, and it's it's pretty much that like gift a boudoir session to your to your friend, gift mm -hmm. a boudoir session to your you know significant other, whatever. So like when you come in to do your session, at the end of that or at like the sales session, she will give you this voucher saying, hey, if you know someone who needs this experience, go ahead and gift this to them. Mm -hmm. And then they come in. Okay. Or you could do like some kind of a promotion for where it's like, um, you know, come in together. So That's what I was thinking. If, yeah. you, if you book a session, your friend gets 50% off. So then you split the whole thing and you were both getting, you know, 25% off your session type mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that can also be a thing. <laughs> right, right. And that and that creates a different experience too because that can mm -hmm. be a lot less nervous if you know you're there with right. a friend that can make a person more comfortable in that kind of a situation. Plus, you know, they are incur they're going to be encouraging. Generally speaking, people are, you know, friends are encouraging to each other, so they're going to be encouraging right. to their friend. And you could even not necessarily 
playing off of the fantasy aspect. I'm not trying to say that, but if you take pictures of them together, that might be something that they would really enjoy as well because it's yep. it's a shared experience. So I had um, sisters do that in the past. So like they'll come in together to do just you know back to back sessions. So like you mm -hmm. know we start hair and makeup on one, I start shooting, and then the other one starts hair and makeup. And at the end, I always do like a couple of pictures together. And they don't necessarily need to be lingerie. Like right. most of them either, you know, choose to be like in the regular clothes or like sweaters or something like that. But it's just, especially with sisters or like best friends, it's just pictures of them. Like there's nothing sexual about it, but they love it. And typically they'll buy that as a print. Like they won't put it in their album, but they'll buy it as a print or like they'll get the digitals for it or something along those lines. And it's, again, like you said, it's that experience. Mm -hmm. Like we've created an experience that they spend time together. I used to do like boudoir parties for bridal parties. So like mm. a bachelorette party. And the idea was you'd come in, obviously everyone's getting their hair and makeup done. Um, and then we typically, the bride would be the one who'd get like the main session. And then everyone else would just get like little sessions. A lot of people would try to turn them into more like glamour pinup style Mm -hmm. shoots but then afterwards you know they're all done up and they can go out to their bachelorette party um and those like while those weren't like super high sales from the individual people but the experience was great and then a lot of those bridesmaids would come back and book a full session because now they've gotten the taste of it mm -hmm. um and so it was a great way like okay let's support the bride it's it's almost like a it's almost like a boudoir mini session isn't it yeah Exactly. Just like a marathon where like everyone's getting, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, <laughs> one outfit type of thing. Right. Um, and one of them I did, this was, God, this was years ago. Uh, they had rented this uh, penthouse suite downtown mm -hmm. and they wanted to really do just like a pinup, but like, well, not pinup, but like 20 style, like flappers, flappery and then like furs and things like that and mm -hmm. so the, the penthouse had this like gorgeous panoramic view of downtown and we had them all like sitting on this couch with like this downtown view with like champagne in their hands and like every single one of them bought that as a canvas not a huge one but like i think there were like 16 by 20 canvases mm -hmm. that everyone got um just to keep from like as a wedding memento and you know it's great advertising because now yeah. they're gonna have it in their homes and then you know their mm -hmm. friends are going to see it oh this is so much fun like i want to do that too right that, so create stuff like that is yeah. it's a good idea the the like bachelorette boudoir session thing sounds like a, a great sort of package add-on or even like incentive that you could throw in to the bride as you're selling you know um, right. booking them as a way to to help create yep. that experience and 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 you know, yep. bake the marketing into your, your client um, relationship. And I would even go as far as I haven't done this, but I, it is a good idea and I might mm -hmm. do it. So when my brides book me, I send out a questionnaire that goes over like everything they want to help create the timeline. But it also has a section where it says, okay, who's, you know, who's the maid of honor, who's the groomsman or best man or all of that. So I have their names and contact information so I would even go as far as to reach out to their maid of honor and say, hey, like, I know you're in charge of planning the bachelorette party. Mm -hmm. This is an option. Just throwing it out there because people, if people don't know, they don't know right. it's an option. Right. Um, and the worst they can say is no. No. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And you lose nothing there. All right. What's next? 
Um, so oh, wait, next... wait, wait, wait. Next. Should buy some merch. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Throw in the link in there. If you want to support the show, head on over to https slash slash shp.photo slash bizmerch. You can pick us a merch, support the show, support us in helping you grow your business. Deal with it. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't know if anyone else finds us funny. I find us funny. So, you know, there's that. Hopefully it's a little bit of amusement and laughter on your Wednesdays. You're getting a little bit of knowledge. So, yeah, if you want to check it out, do so. If you don't want to do that, let people know about the group. Let people know about the show. Let people know about the podcast at shp.photo slash podcast, I think. Podcast. I that's the link. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. We, we've, we've had life going on. Yeah. I had a photo shoot last uh, Wednesday, and so I wasn't able to be here. But we're back. How did that go? Dead. Tell us. Tell us about it. It was great, actually. I had a ton of fun. Let me show you one of the photos um, that I took. I'll pop it back over here so you don't have to see me trolling around on my own trying to find the photo. But it was really cool. Was, so what we did is um, Noelle came over, and uh, we went over to Angela's house, and she painted her head up like a pumpkin. Mm-hmm. And then we went out to the sculpture park with smoke bombs, those like two minute long smoke bombs. Not yeah. Like the, yeah. And, um, and took a bunch of photos. So my favorite one, as we were walking around the sculpture park looking for different locations to shoot, I saw this. The best way to describe it is a giant adult tricycle. And oh. it's, it was amazing. I'm like, oh, my God, we have to take photos on that. <laughs> Mike said someone started the wine early today. Mike, is that you or Spiros? Because I'm <laughs> drinking coffee. <laughs> um, so I, I don't think I've told Spiros this story. So I uh, was walking out the door on Wednesday. So it was last Wednesday. Uh-huh. I was walking out the door, and there it was this styrofoam box on my front doorstep. And okay. the address, like the from address, said mm-hmm. John Doe and some random like New York address. Okay. And when I like shook, it's a styrofoam box and it says like light sensitive and temperature sensitive on it. And when I shook Is it, it film? It sounded like there was liquid in it. And I okay. have been watching a lot of like NCIS. And <laughs> and oh my like God, that. it's a bomb. <laughs> While like I've been editing it, so I was like, oh my God, it's eyeballs. Like, or some kind of a body part. What's like, in the box? <laughs> so Donald had told me that he had ordered something and to not open any packages. And so I like took a picture of it and sent it down. I was like, Is this from you? Like, should I not open this? And he mm-hmm. was like, that's really creepy. No, it should be addressed <laughs> to me. Like, what the hell? And I was like, you know what? I'm like running out the house. I'll just deal with it later. And so I left it and I like run out. And like, all I can think about is, oh my God, there's like a pair of eyeballs sitting on my little console table. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so I came home and I opened the box and it was this mug. And so I looked uh, at it and I was like, okay. This why is was it water balls. sloshy? I don't know why it sounded like water. And why is it light sensitive? <laughs> like Kim thought why it'd be a head. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And so I texted my friend Nicole, and I was like, did you send me this? And she was like, maybe. <laughs> well, so I apparently didn't see the back where it has her name on it. Uh... <laughs> and so then I was like, I seriously was convinced that it was eyeballs or like a finger or a thumb or something. Oh um, and so yesterday I got another box and it was from Joe Doe again. And I was like, if this isn't eyeballs, I'm going to be really <laughs> upset. <laughs> so I opened the box and they were like the foamy, like squishy uh-huh. little balls that were like eyeballs. And like, there's the eyeballs. <laughs> there's the eyeballs. <sighs> so All right. I found the photo. Um, oh, so I, I saw that tricycle and I was like, oh, I so want to do like a play on like the Wicked Witch of the West and obviously oh. the Headless Horseman-ish kind of feel, but like super fun and playful. So um, Angela sat obviously on the tricycle and I shoved one of the smoke bombs in the back to create the exhaust plume and then, um, you know, had her do exactly what she's doing. And I'm just in love with the photo. I think I'm like... Yeah. I'm so happy with it. I have others. I still have to edit them, of course. But this is my favorite from the shoot, and I think it's just so perfect. <laughs> that looked so cool. Yeah. It was super yeah. fun. We we were laughing so hard at one point. Now, you know, these smoke bombs obviously get hot. They, they can cause flame and fire. Um, so the very first concern was fire safety. Uh, everything yeah. was very wet out there because it had been raining. Um, but the very first smoke bomb, you know, they're uh, – do I have it around here? I don't know where I, what I did with it, but it looks, you know, it's like this tall and, you know, probably an inch in diameter and you literally pull the pin like you pull a grenade and, oh, there's another one of the photos. And um, the, so I pull the pin on the first one and it starts smoking. So I'm like, okay. And I put it down on the ground behind her and, uh, <laughs> and it started a little fire and I'm like, oh, that's fire. That's bad. And I pick it up and I stomp it out. Well, no, Noelle is recording this whole thing. So she has this hilarious little video of me panicking because I start a fire <laughs> with this smoke bomb that I have no idea how to use because I've never used it before. It was pretty funny. It was pretty fun. We got, we had some really good photos. <laughs> so that's where I was. So cool. I really want to use them, but then. I'm just not, I feel like I'm not creative enough to like come up with something cool like this. Like, oh, that's baloney. I know, really. Like, how well, do you even come up with stuff like that? Like, I, I tell you what. Someone gave me the idea, I right. pull it off, but like right. on my own. Let's, I, let's, next time I'm in Denver or next time we're together somewhere for something, we're going to do a photo shoot, a creative photo okay. shoot, and take you through the process. How's that? Okay. That's <laughs> maybe we can record it. Yes, and we can record it. And then maybe I'll put it up on YouTube since I haven't done anything with YouTube since my breakdown. Eh, screw YouTube. Whatever. Yeah. Screw YouTube. All right, so. Yeah. We love you, YouTube. Don't, like, shut us down, but screw you. Oh, no, I kind of don't love YouTube right now at all. Like, I'm over YouTube. I'm not saying I'll never go back, but right now I'm like, like, oh, YouTube. Oh, yeah, no. It's, it's Mike fine. says, like, Post it, post it. Are you talking about the video where I'm lighting the forest on fire? You should. You should post that. I've got to get it. it. Yeah, I've got to get it from Noelle. I'll ask her for it. That's hilarious. Yeah. 
Oh, I just saw Kim's comment. It's a head. Yeah. It, the box was too small. So, like, it would maybe it was like a mouse head. So, like, my first thought was eyeballs. What's in the box? Oh, my God. It, like, it seriously creeped me out. Because Donald oh, was like, that's really suspicious. Like, that it's from John Doe. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever the hell it was. And I'm yeah. like, okay, now I'm even more worried. Because at first I was like, oh, whatever. Like, it's just a package. But now I'm like, oh, who has Panicking. my address? Who's sending me stuff? This is gross. <laughs> I seriously, I opened it over the sink. Mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> "What's in here?" I would have been awful if it fell out and broke. <laughs> well, then maybe they shouldn't, you know, send me surprises. True, true. Okay. But who doesn't it was like really surprises? Sweet. Me. Provided they're not heads in boxes. <laughs> Those are not great surprises. No, no. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Mike says he wants to see the the me lighting the forest on fire video. I'll I'll get it from Noel and I'll post it into the group. (laughs) Yes, you should. You definitely Uh, should. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I had on here Mm -hmm. and you know, tell me if you guys want it or not, was Facebook and Instagram marketing. And this was from obviously a class I taught in Georgia. And so it was just the five marketing methods that I feel like are the best to utilize. Um, so I can go over this or we can skip on ahead to the next one. Uh, I feel like Facebook and Instagram, like everyone should have, we've talked about this before, yeah. like everyone should have, it's like your website, Facebook, Instagram, like if you are doing anything related to photos or something that has a visual aspect to it, like you have to have those. Even if it doesn't have a visual aspect, you should create a visual aspect and still have those social media sites. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't feel that you should heavily rely on them because you don't own that content. Like, It can go away at any time. And people who build their business on purely social media end up just competing on price. Yep. And that leads to burnout or failure either, either way. Yeah. Um, it's actually it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, just real quick to share a story from when I was in Wizard World this past weekend. I had my um, I don't have one with me to show you, but my uh, postcard that on the front had like the breakdown of that Doctor Strange photo and all the photo yep. elements, and then on the back it had my pricing, which we worked out a while back. Um, and my low price is. 2800 my mid price is 35 i think and my high price is 7000 you know for these packages that we created right. for the for the cosplay photography and our our, our booth neighbors were cosplayers we were in the cosplay area and uh, I gave her, you know, we we had been chatting over the weekend, so we, you know, had become friendly. And and um, I gave her one of the cards and asked her what she thought about the prices. And obviously, you know, um, not obviously, but she she thought that they were high, and she thought that I would probably have a hard time booking mm-hmm. with that. Um, which, you know, I I I in a way I agree. Um, right. But then we got to talking about some of the other cosplay photographers, and she said there is so many of the cosplayers out there are used to the cosplay photographers who are charging, you know, maybe two, three hundred bucks. And these right. people are working on volume and they're shooting, 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 shooting. And she says she's seen right. it a bunch with these different cosplay photographers where they come out there and they shoot like crazy at that low rate and they burn out. And then all of a sudden they stop doing it. And then maybe right. they come back after a while, but they just do it as like a hobby and they, they actually don't do it as a business because they burn themselves out on it. Right. So 
I, you know, I, at least for what I'm trying to do, which I'm not even pushing very hard on, is I don't want to do it as a volume low price. Right. And yeah. And that's the difference, right? Like, so mm-hmm. you can make money in any business two ways. You can do high volume mm-hmm. or high prices. Yep. In the end, you're still going to end up with the same amount of income. It's just, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And high volume doesn't necessarily have to be a lot of work, but right. it's going to be a far inferior product. So for example, one of my really good friends, he's out in Minnesota. They have He is second or third generation. Um, they've owned the studio. They do high volume. They mm-hmm. do schools and they do sports. And even their boudoir stuff is set up as high volume. Like, And they have a process. Like, mm-hmm. He has employees and the client will come in. Let's say for boudoir, the client will come in. One of the photographers will shoot. They have like a flow of like, okay, we go from this post to this post to this post, change outfit, this post, this post, this post. There is no like customization or anything mm-hmm. like that to it. And then from there, the next employee takes over and does the editing. And then from there, they do the sales session and they're done. Right. They have this process. It takes a very little time, very little cost to them. But they shoot like three, four, five hundred women a year. They have schools like on a weekend, he can easily shoot 10,000 kids like because he has the staff, they're at multiple events, they're doing multiple things, mm-hmm. you know, they're shooting with like three or four cameras at each place with backdrops. He makes a ton of money doing that. Mm-hmm. But it's also a lot of work. Right. Versus you can do high vo- or high price and you're giving more of the boutique experience you are going to have way less clients who are willing to pay the higher price. Mm -hmm. But now let's say, so for example, my average for a boudoir session is $2,200. So $2,200 plus their session fee, which is another $3,500. I I can make $2,500 in a matter of, a day and a half. So shooting for three hours, an hour and a half, whatever. It ends up typically being three hours in the studio with hair and makeup. And then with me chatting, cause I don't stop talking and then sales session, which is going to be another hour or so plus like the two, three hours it takes me to edit. So like mm-hmm. overall a full day of work. So eight hours and I can make $2,200. He can spend a full day of work, eight to 10 hours shooting and make 20, 30, 40,000. <laughs> but then he might have like four months where he's not shooting anything. Mm-hmm. And so it's really a matter of what do you want to do? Do you want to do volume to get to the same price point or do you want to do high end? Mm-hmm. It You can't do high price and volume together. Like. Right you will die. (laughs) Right, right. So my wife makes the very fair point that, um, and she says, not that I want spirits to do high volume, but high price doesn't work if no one buys. And and that is true. Right. Um, Acquiring the higher price clients is, is, I think it's fair to say, more difficult than acquiring lower price clients and working on volume, which is probably why more people go low price volume. Right, right. And like, it is easier, especially with social media, because you can compete on price at that point. Mm-hmm. 
And where it's going to fail is when you're low price and no one's coming to you. Yeah, yeah. And so you you would just have to pick the model and stick to it. Mm-hmm. High high price is not necessarily right, and low price is not necessarily right, right. unless you yeah. do it the right way. It just goes back to like we've talked about this before on the show where we talk about mini sessions, right? And so how people are mini sessions have now become oh less time, but that's not what mini sessions were originally meant for. Mini sessions were supposed to be on one day you're shooting 10, 15, 20 people back to back. And that's why you're able to offer them a lower price, excuse me, and lower, or lower amounts of time. But now you're spending one day shooting 20 families for their holiday cards, let's say, you're spending 20 minutes a client, you're giving them you know, three to five images, and you're charging them $200. If you have 20 people that you charge $200 for a person, what is that, 20 times 200, $4,000, mm-hmm. right? Yes. In a day. Yeah. Like, that's a good day. Right. But if you're offering mini sessions where it's 30 minutes and they pick the date and it, you end up taking a whole day to go shoot this mini session at a lower price, you're losing money. Right, right. So. Yeah. So um, we probably can't get into it today because it's uh, almost 11. Well, 11 here. Uh, but Russell and Steve both uh, said that they would love to hear more about how you sell, set up before client gets there, um, and closing tacti- tactics for upsells. Yeah. So that I can sounds definitely like a help. perfect topic for next week. Yeah. I could even, well, potentially... I might have to be on oh. my phone. I was going to say I can be over at the studio. Oh, no, ne- next, next week. week I'm not gone. here next week. Yeah, so we'll have to. <laughs> so the week after. All right, so I'm going to be... put it on the calendar for the week after. That will be the 13th, uh, and this is going to be Zara's selling process. So that will be the topic. Okay, on the 13th. Yeah, the 13th. I will be in the middle of the ocean on the 6th. So, Ooh, what are you doing sorry there? guys, I'm going on vacation. Nah, I'm turning well, off my phone. <laughs> that sounds like a brilliant idea. <laughs> it's it's overdue. It has been several years since I've actually gone on a vacation where I've turned off like my a proper phone. vacation. So yeah, we're uh, planning on just completely being unplugged for a week. Nice. That'll I be need really that. Nice. So. Yeah. I think everyone needs that. <laughs> yeah, everybody does. Everybody does. <laughs> so, anyways, but yeah, and then we can, so we can do that and we can get into more of like the Facebook stuff. Um, I mean, really, what the Facebook points that I had is like, it's really good for unpaid and paid marketing. Mm-hmm. I think the unpaid part of it is probably more valuable. Um, it's really great for creating and maintaining like, a connection to your customers and creating a community like utilizing the private groups and utilizing groups versus pages but even having the page that's linked to your group so things like that um, it's really great for that interaction and same with Instagram right because you can create a community on there um, and my my uh, advice on that is trying to create storylines that people can connect to. So like, for example, for me, one of the storylines that I would use and one of the storylines I would tell people who are like me to use would be being a parent. Mm -hmm. So like 
how do you balance being a parent in your business? Like, even though that doesn't necessarily, like my child has nothing to do with my business. I am, my target market is typically women with children. Mm-hmm. And so making it, a presence in my social media plays a huge role because now I become more relatable to these women who have children Mm -hmm. and working moms and things like that. So if you can speak to a certain community and pull them in because you are involved and they can relate to you, that's what social media is really great for is creating those relationships because now people see you as a human being versus just this person who's trying to sell them something. Right. Another thing I want to add um, to that, and and this is something that we've talked about before, but I think I want to stress it because I'm not sure if people are really understanding the importance of it, and and that is of uh, an email list, of building and having an email list, because of all the things you can own as a business person, a list of people that you can directly communicate to with no go-between is incredibly powerful right it's more powerful than your website it's more powerful than facebook or youtube or you know whatever um and to give you an idea and this isn't bragging this is just the truth of what happened but it gives you the idea of how powerful an email list can be um so we i have my email list that i've built over the course of however many years now six seven eight nine years and it's about 30,000 people. So it's not the biggest list in the world, but it's also not a tiny list. And uh, just recently, if you're on my email list, you probably saw the emails that I sent out regarding the five-day deal, the bundle package that uh, you know you, you paid whatever it was, 90 bucks, and you got like a boatload of photography products, uh, educational materials, et cetera, et cetera. All right, I was part of that um, sale my product was included in that sale and I promoted the sale to my list. That was my principal promotion method. I also posted on social media because I was contractually obligated to do so. Um, And I had no problem posting on social media, but all of the money I made came from the fact that I promoted this product to my list and the people on my list saw the value in it and bought it. And um, the sales for me as an affiliate, I don't remember the exact number, but it was just about $4,000. And that was over the course of five days. And, right. and, and all I did, and, and, and I'm putting that in air quotes to emphasize the fact that all I did for this particular thing was schedule the emails that were part of the promotion. But everything right. else that went into building the mailing list is what allowed me to be at the point where all I had to do was right. schedule the emails that promoted the product to my list. And my scenario is a little bit different because I'm selling, you know, educational products, whatever. However, the point still stands that if you build and maintain a mailing list, that is the thing that you own. That is a direct line of communication to your clients, and you can offer them things through that line of communication, be it discounts on sessions, whatever it is. Set up those mini-session blocks, you know, whatever it is you want to offer, that's a direct line of communication who people who opt in because they want your communication. Right. And we can do a whole show on techniques and strategies for building an email list, but I don't think people are taking that seriously enough because 
you know, everybody says email is dead, right? But they've been saying right. that for decades. And social media and comes yet, and goes, and yet we all still have and deal with email because email is well, built into the fabric of things. Go ahead, Zara. Not only that, but like if you look at some of the people who have been most successful in any industry, mm -hmm. all of them will go – like people who are actually making millions of dollars, they will go back and tell you that how they did it is email. Yes. Like everyone from like Tim Ferriss to yes. Tony Robbins to, you know, Jenna Kutcher, like they will tell you that it is the email list that bring them like when they look at their sales and they're they're doing all the different kinds. They're doing the social media marketing. They're doing the mm -hmm. <clears throat> the, you know, traditional marketing methods. The email lists are the ones because email is built on a relationship. Yes. Email is that trust and relationship that you built one-on-one -on -one with those clients. And now they're willing to spend more money because they trust you enough to give you their email. Exactly. So if you, if you are not thinking about an email list, start thinking about it because it's more important, in my opinion, than any other marketing, um, than any yep. other digital marketing strategy. And I will go as far as to say I have a girlfriend who all she does is boudoir. That is the mm -hmm. only thing she photographs. Um, she used to do families and weddings and stuff. And for the last like three years, all she has done is boudoir. And the way she does hers is it's a mailing list. If you're not on her mailing list, you don't get her availability. So once a quarter, she releases her um, available dates. Mm -hmm. And she literally books out those dates within hours of releasing them within hours. So she guarantees that each quarter she is fully booked by using a mailing list. Mm -hmm. She heart, like she doesn't put her availability on social media unless she has like a last minute cancellation. So if she has a last minute cancellation, she'll try to fill that spot and use social media, but she also uses the mailing list. And just recently she put out, the first quarter of 2020 and within four hours she was completely booked for january february and march right that's super powerful so imagine being right. able to do something similar as a wedding photographer yep. you know where you you have your list you say okay i'm booking for first quarter 2020 weddings yeah and like boom. these are the dates i have these are available. the dates i have available yeah and then they're gone and you're booked and and you're basically you know ready you're to set. yeah your quarter set you're, you're good to go it's super powerful and and maybe we should plan that for um the topic after the 13th um after that we talk about your me. sales process yeah sounds good to me all right so on that note if you want to go buy the merch you know the link you know the drill um if you don't want to tell people about the group tell people about the podcast tell people about yep. the show outside of that Deal with that. <laughs>